0: Good morning. Welcome to Valley Lights Church. I'm glad to see you're all here today. Thank you for uh, joining us on Memorial Day weekend and for even uh, lifting your voices over the past few minutes to sing with us to worship God. I really enjoy getting to sing and even hear you guys sing. Um, Those are some beautiful songs of worship. Uh, I want to give a quick announcement before we jump in. We're we're in a message series called Worst Case Scenarios, and I'm going to dive into that in a second. Before I do, I just want to give a quick announcement about. Uh, a a program in our church called Discipleship Groups, and we had a Discipleship Group graduation uh, this past week where um, these folks right here, you can see these 14 people, went through the program. It was a 10-month program full of intense commitments of uh, a a lot of Bible reading, a lot of scripture memory, many serving projects and uh, missions trips and all kinds of things where um, they really, it's it's a much deeper commitment to church than most people typically make. And so these discipleship groups, uh, when we started them last summer, um, it was an opportunity that's open to anyone that has become a member of Valley Lights Church. Um, and so, um, I just I wanted to point out because each of these people have grown significantly in their walks with Christ, and in their understanding of the Bible and of how to live it out, how to live out the heart attitudes, the core values of our church, And um, so much blessing has has come as a result of a really deep commitment to walking with Christ in a closer way. So this was a big celebration. It's personally a big highlight for me this year. This was one of my my biggest highlights of really seeing a lot of life change in this group. So um, there's gonna be, besides this, there'll be additional opportunities for you to commit uh, to church, for you to commit to Christ in a deeper way to really deepen your own commitment in your walk with God. And so there'll be more opportunities like that coming Alright, so this morning we're in a series called Worst-Case Scenarios, and we're walking through the letter of First Peter in the New Testament. And at one point, Peter writes in this letter, he says, Friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual are happening. He's basically, he writes this whole letter to say, If you're going through something really difficult, that's pretty normal. Don't be surprised. This comes to everybody. Worst case scenarios, they come. They come to all of us. And God's Word gives us the guidance that we need to navigate some of the worst circumstances. And the message today, so what we're going through this letter, and today we arrive at the part of the letter that's geared specifically toward married people. And so in this letter about worst case scenarios, he writes to husbands and wives. And I thought about this i was like okay so why does why does he write why why does he write to married people in the middle of all this letter because this letter is really about how do you endure suffering how do you endure um when when you're treated unjustly especially as it relates to hostile adversarial people that's what this letter is all about why does peter address husbands and wives in the middle of all this hostility and adversaries well maybe there's times when you feel like. Your spouse is hostile and adversarial. (laughs) Maybe there's times when you feel unjustly treated by your spouse. This is not. This is really not. As Peter, as Peter says, don't be surprised. This is when you walk through a fiery trial, and he gives a lot of examples. Like maybe it's in government, maybe it's in your employment, maybe it's with uh, people around you in the culture, and maybe it's in your marriage. He's in all these situations. Don't be surprised. When you're walking through the trial and you know it's really not uncommon for this to happen in marriage or close relationships sometimes sometimes the people closest to us inflict some of the most painful wounds sometimes the people closest to us can cause some really deep frustration and so if your marriage has ever felt like a fiery trial as peter would say don't be surprised as if something unusual it is an unusual thing. We're the only ones that have a fiery child. No, this is more common than you think. And so in this message, we're gonna get, I'm gonna get honest about some marriage dynamics. If you're, if you're not married, there's gonna be, I think there's actually still gonna be some things that you can take from this, some principles you can apply, perhaps if you hope to get married in the future, but also as you relate, particularly to people, if you're a woman, how you relate to some of the men in your life, maybe family members, a father, a brother, if you're a woman how you relate to some of the men in your life or uh, and vice versa i don't know if i just said the same thing over again <laughs> men women okay so just get your, get yourselves ready there's gonna be there's gonna be nuggets for everybody in here um and i'm gonna start by saying marriage is a wonderful gift from god it truly is incredible it's amazing it's a gift but you don't have to be married for very long before you encounter this reality husbands and wives Inflict pain and receive pain from each other. Can I get an amen? <laughs> that, that, this happens, Well, maybe you shouldn't say amen, I don't know. Um, the, 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 really, this is, not, this is not like a secret, okay? This is not like a surprising thing to say. When you're married, when you live with somebody, you're gonna, you're gonna do some painful things to them and you're gonna receive pain from them. Again, that's why it fits within the context of this letter. This letter is all about people going through suffering at the hands of other people. So when conflict arises in marriage, you might be the one causing the pain. Or maybe you might be the one feeling the pain. I've been married for 15 years and it has been both wonderful and difficult. I am so grateful to God for my wife and for the gift of marriage. It has been truly incredible. And the passage that we're gonna to read today, I started working into my life years ago, and I'm still working on it. It's actually, we're gonna read about seven verses. It's not that long, right? I'm still working on applying these to my own marriage. Really, how, how can I walk in alignment with God in deeper and deeper ways? And this really, for me, learning how to, to be married God's way has been a very long walk of obedience. Over the years of our marriage, the fiery trials that we've walked through have been very painful, but the blessings of doing it God's way have outweighed them all, without a doubt. So let's go ahead and pull back some of the layers behind the pain and the suffering that you might be experiencing with your spouse, or maybe have experienced in the past. So the the passage, it it addresses wives, and then it addresses husbands. And so we're going to start in verse one of chapter three, and I'm going to read it And then we'll break this apart a little bit. It says, In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Actually, I'm going to pull it up right here. I have it in my notes, but I'm going to read it directly from my paper Bible. (laughs) In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live when they observe your pure, reverent lives. Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation. All right, so as I, as I go ahead and talk about husbands and wives in the wife section, in the husband section, I recommend maybe restrain yourself from like elbowing anybody or poking anybody. So, just, you know, focus on what God wants to speak to you in this message. Alright, so if you're a wife, if you're, if you're a, w- a woman, you're a wife, you married a sinner. Alright? My wife married a sinner. You can ask her. Go ahead. You can ask her and she'll tell you right away. A husband, even, even if he's a pretty good guy, even if he's a Christian, he probably disobeys God's word at times. Husbands are sometimes good and gentle, and other times we can be harsh and hurtful. Husbands can be very difficult to live with. Husbands can be very hurtful towards their wives. So for Christian women who are married to unbelieving husbands, they're not Christians the potential for pain is even greater the difficulty that that scenario a christian woman married to an unchristian man that um, that's especially in peter's mind when he writes this chapter um, when he's talking about husbands who disobey the word if you look early in chapter one he's he's referencing men who have not submitted to jesus so on your handout so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna break this apart and on, on your handout there's a chart that i made that kind of walks through the the wife's side of things and the husband's side of things. And so, as I said, we we cause each other pain. And so the wife, in a marriage scenario, one source of pain, this is not everything, but at, at times her pain comes from when she feels anxious, fearful, or hurt. So there may be things in the marriage that are very distressing to a wife. It may feel like things are outside of her control that's very unsettling. It may, it, it, there, there may be distress that she feels from not being on the same page about decisions and plans. She might be distressed about a rupture in the relationship. For a, a woman, an unreconciled relationship is very distressing. It's hard to concentrate on anything else if, if, there's, if the, the relationship is not okay. So it may lead... that All of that, that could lead to all kinds of hurt and pain. And it's possible that the husband may have a role in causing some of the distress and some of the hurt. All of it, some of it, none of it. So the temptation then for wives, when they feel this way, is to become unsupportive or unyielding. Maybe even assertive, maybe even pushy. She might become unsupportive to the direction that her husband wants to set because of the fear and the anxiety and the hurt She may be tempted to drive things in a direction that she thinks is best. And wherever there's a disagreement, the temptation is to become even more assertive. That's that's natural. That's normal. That's how people tend to relate, humans on planet Earth. But Scripture points to a different response. And so there's this really counterintuitive command that we're given here. The command is to wives, it says, in the same way wives submit yourselves to your own husbands, now, this is very controversial and very unpopular today. <laughs> if you didn't know, people don't like this. People don't like hearing this. They would rather ignore this or interpret it in a different way. But what it says is actually, I'll just say this, if you if you have, have ever read 1 Peter, most of the commands in this letter are very unpopular. So, If you want to look at, like, things that our culture hates, read this letter. (laughs) This is not the way people like to do life. So, because, actually, when he says in the same way, he's referring back to a sequence of commands, where he said, first, submit to governing authorities, the government, even the unjust ones. I don't like that. Then he says, then, in the same way, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters, even the cruel ones. Man, that doesn't sound good. And then he says, wives. Submit yourselves to your husbands, even the ungodly ones. And then, husbands, we'll get to that in a second. So, there's the sequence of us really submitting ourselves in situations that we really don't like. And so, God wants to see wives become easily led by their husbands, even if the husband is moving in a direction that makes the wife fearful or concerned about the future. God wants the wife to be supportive of his plans and his goals, and wherever, wherever there's an impasse and they just can't get on the same page, that she yields. Why would God command that? Why would God want women to do that? It's because a quiet, fearless hope in God is a very, very precious thing. It's a very rare thing. Verse 5, he says, for in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands. So if you look at this verse, you'll notice that wives are not commanded to trust their husbands. Sometimes the husband is untrustworthy. Maybe he does things to break trust. So she is not commanded to trust him. She is commanded to trust God. Trust God while she follows her husband. Trust God, follow the husband. Two different ways of approaching God and the husband. So when she has fully entrusted herself to God, even when she's suffering distressing hurtful situations and she just trusts god anyway she develops a gentle quiet spirit this is an inner beauty that god finds very very precious it's like a rare commodity it's like very few people have this quality imagine a lake that's perfectly still and tranquil It's like a beautiful you know there's like mist rising early in the morning there's, just, there's no ripples on the water. It's just still. Yeah, we have a picture here. It's, this is a picture of, of peace and stillness. God wants women to have this kind of stillness even when life is on fire. God wants women to have this kind of peace even when circumstances are raging out of control or when you're suffering in the marriage. Could it be possible to have this kind of peace in the middle of suffering? A woman can find perfect peace when she has a steadfast trust in the Lord. God finds that kind of trust to be more precious and more rare and beautiful than the most beautifully dressed woman with all the best makeup and jewelry and hairdos and clothing. That stuff doesn't matter in comparison to that inner beauty and peace that a person gets from trusting the Lord. So, at first Peter is a letter all about... Suffering and enduring suffering, a wife's special form of enduring suffering is to follow her sinful husband while she puts all of her hope in God. I mean, she totally yields to the direction that he sets. Even when it seems really troubling, she trusts God. But notice there's one more thing actually in this verse. There's this faith filled response comes with an incredible blessing. The blessing is that. Um, Look in verse 1. It says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live when they observe your pure, reverent lives. This, to me, says that a wife's submissive following is powerful. It could really accomplish some things. If, if, If a wife does good deeds, follows respectfully, and trusts God all the while even without a word, even when she's hurt or treated inconsiderately and she continues to do good, it can capture the attention of her husband in a powerful way. It may may cause him to say, man, how are you doing that? (laughs) Nobody does that. Why do you have such enduring hope after all that you're walking through? like where, where Where does that even come from? Later in this chapter, Peter says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. That hope that we have, and that that actually applies to everybody. When you have a hope, an enduring hope, in the middle of life being on fire, it causes people to ask questions. That's why it says, be ready. Be ready to give the hope that you have. Earlier in this letter, Peter writes that our good deeds can silence the ignorance of foolish people. That goes for not just wise men and women. When we when we just continually do good, it just makes people say, like, man, I can't even say anything bad about them. Because look at all the good that they're doing. A wife can do this. A God may use a wife's respectful, hope-filled submissiveness to draw her husband into greater alignment with God's word. That is a powerful blessing. Even an unbelieving husband may be led to faith in Christ as a result of that. That's incredible. How much more could a Christian husband be made aware of his own selfishness or harshness by watching his wife's trust and hope in the Lord? So that's powerful. Those are some of the instructions to wives. All right, look, we're going to jump to the instructions for husbands now. And it's just one sentence. (laughs) The women got a whole paragraph filled with beautiful imagery and captivating ideas. And the men just get one simple direct command. Apparently, that's just, we work better that way. Keep it short. Keep it simple. All right. One sentence. Here we go. It says, husbands, in the same way, in the same way, meaning submit yourself, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. So I mentioned, you know, earlier that husbands can be difficult to live with. I can be difficult to live with. Wives can also be difficult to live with. You we'll know, if we if we're all can just be honest about the reality of married life, it's really difficult to live with somebody. <laughs> so often for men, they have a source of pain too. They have pain in the marriage, but it's different than the women. Their pain often comes from feeling frustrated, disrespected, or criticized. And whether or not it's justified, those things might not even be justified, men can easily feel disrespected. Or like their efforts go unacknowledged. Or men can feel pushed, or hassled, or exasperated by their wives. And it, it might not even be the wife's intent to do this, but the men can feel this way and they respond this way. It might, it, might, it might even be the result of miscommunication, but the man, he is frustrated and, and just getting angry. And so the temptation then, if a, if a man is feeling this kind of pain, this kind of frustrated pain, his temptation is to become bitter and distant towards his wife. Unfortunately, husbands are really good at withdrawing. Husbands have a, 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 a tendency to be magnetized towards bitterness. Colossians 3.18 talks about this, but husband, maybe even more than wives, be drawn towards bitterness. So we can, if we're, if we get into this, then we withdraw warmth and love. May leave the house, may, may go to the man cave, get some distance, bury ourselves in more work, or, or go the other direction and just slump into a pile of discouragement, If a man is just like depressed and discouraged and and doesn't want to deal with anything, that's not very warm and affectionate. You can't be affectionate when you're in a pile of discouragement on the floor. So there's just a lot of ways that men can put distance in the relationship. And for me, I know know that I've gotten into bitterness when I'm withdrawing warmth, start using short, snappy sentences, snappy responses, and maybe I'm avoiding being in the same room I realize, sometimes that starts happening. I don't even realize that. I'm like, oh, man. There I go again. I'm putting distance in this relationship. Why am I feeling this way? The command to husbands is to live with your wife in an understanding way. It really means to be compassionate towards her. So when Peter says, in the same way here, he's talking about all those commands of submitting ourselves. Now, husbands are to submit not to the wife, because... The husband is the head of the marriage, so he doesn't submit to her, but he must submit himself to living with her in an understanding way. I have to like put on this, it's almost like putting on a burden of like, I'm going to choose to be understanding, even though it feels really unnatural, and I don't, and I'd prefer not to, honestly, because I'm so frustrated, but I'm going to choose, I'm going to submit myself to understanding. Men are not naturally good at this. I'm just going to let you know right now. Men do not being understanding and compassionate is hard. <laughs> we have when if we do that, we choose it. It's a chosen thing to be compassionate and understanding. So if there's a, if there's a conflict or a disagreement, got, well, guys, you may agree with this. You what we tend to be is guided by defensiveness. I didn't do that. You're the one that did it. We, we tend to respond with frustration and irritation. Oh, like, why are we even having this problem? Instead of being led by those instincts, early in, Peter, in this letter, Peter would call them the sinful passions within us. Instead of being led by those things, I must choose to let compassion and understanding guide me. I must submit to it. Which means I have to work really, really hard at knowing this woman that I live with. What is she like? What are her fears? In general, what are her fears right now? Instead of just reacting defensively or being dismissive to whatever those fears are, how about, how about I ask some more questions? Well, asking questions takes time and conversation. Guys usually don't have time for long conversations. <laughs> means it means I have to take time to really care for her. So, for example, if, she, if I'm in a situation, she sounds really upset right now. Why is she expressing this emotion? Usually, it's she sounds upset, and then, boom, I just respond defensively. No, how about, why? why is she feeling this way? Are there, are there more unsettling things going on that she hasn't expressed? She's, she said, this is the problem. Is there more problems beneath that? Beneath all the emotion? Maybe, maybe there's something that she needs that I can help her with. I'm feeling, I'm feeling criticized, but maybe, maybe her goal is not even to criticize. I can help her with something. Or... Maybe she's responding this way because there's a hurt that I need to take ownership for. Maybe I was inconsiderate. Didn't mean to, but maybe I was inconsiderate, and that's what's driving this. So if the husband feels frustrated or disrespected or criticized, he needs to overlook that offense. Let go of that bitterness, that smoldering bitterness and frustration, and choose compassion. Just choose to love her unconditionally. Meaning there's, there are no conditions on my warmth. I will choose to be warm and affectionate no matter what. And I'm going to tell you, I don't, I, I don't do this perfectly yet. But more and more, I have to just unconditionally, no conditions, respond with warmth. Only tender compassion is allowed. And God gives two really big reasons. So a guy may be like, I can't do that. That's impossible. Yeah, but she, da 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 da. There's all these reasons (laughs) you guys are ready to, you guys are maybe defensive toward me right now. You're like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to give you, before you say no, I'm going to give you two big reasons why you should do that. One reason is that she's more easily damaged than you are. Verse seven says she's the weaker partner, which that sounds like an insult at first to say you know, your wife is a weaker partner. It sounds like an insult. Weaker partner does not mean that she is any less valuable. Men and women have equal worth in Jesus. I think what Peter is saying is that women are more easily hurt and chipped and damaged than men are. So for example, I'm going I'm to show you a dish that I have. This is, a, this is one of our nice, this is a, a salad master. We have one of these salad masters in, in Santa Clarita, a store. So women, I'd say, I'd say that women are a little bit more like fine china. Beautiful, ornate dishes. These kinds of things, you treat dishes like this with care. You usually don't bring them to church on Sunday morning with no packaging like I did today. <laughs> if, you have, if you have a dish like this, you either put them on stands so everybody can see how beautiful they are, or you pack them away carefully and you protect them. You make sure they're well taken care of not in moisture where they can get damaged in a similar way i think what peter is saying is that we need to treat the women in our lives with care and value with an eye to protect them from hurt and damage that's our role i think weaker partner means that wives are more easily chipped and hurt and require protection they require to be cherished so if i just drop this dish it will crack or chip or break you don't just drop a dish like this on the floor. Men, on the other hand, men are like Tupperware. <laughs> so you could take this thing, you can microwave it, you can freeze it, you can throw it off a building, or you can walk on it. Man, if there's a spaghetti stain in here, pfft, that just adds character. I like that. that this, is, this is what the men are like. You should have, and I, if, if when, men, when men are tough on other men, you just, men just treat each other like Tupperware, that's normal. Like you should have, you should, we did at a men's summit earlier this year, you should have, you should have seen the rowdy, stinky bunkhouses, you know, filled with snores at night that no women would ever want to go into. <laughs> that would, and then you know what, we loved it. We got dirty and that, that, that's how we did the men's summit. So when men choose to treat their wives, like a piece of Tupperware, rather than fine china, it does not go well. If you talk to your woman like you talk to a man, that does not go well. I have two sons. I have two sons and two daughters. My sons can be really rough with each other. Surprisingly, my younger one is even more rough than my older one. But when we, when we all wrestle together, man, they're, they're really rough with me. Like, they don't hold back at all. But I like that. And I've, I've had to coach my oldest son especially not to be so rough with his sister. And, and I don't just mean when we're wrestling and we're playing, I, I also mean with your words too. Because listen, son, when you, you need to think about what you say to her because you could really cut her deeply. And this has happened sometimes. And he, he didn't even mean to, he didn't. But listen, she's, you can't talk to her like you talk to me or your brother. Like she's, she's a girl that needs to be cherished and protected. You think about that before you talk. So that's one reason Peter gives us to submit ourselves to this understanding lifestyle. There's one more reason, though. If that wasn't enough, she's a daughter of the Almighty God. If your wife is a Christian, then it says she deserves honor as a co-heir of the grace of life. This means the creator of the universe is her daddy. And her daddy cares a whole lot about how the men treat her. She has indescribable value in God's sight and God really really cares how we treat our wives. Men can lose sight of this, we can forget about this, and fail to treat our wives with appropriate honor. When I have a proper view of who my wife is in Christ, I am utterly amazed that this beautiful creature that I live with every day is going to inherit the kingdom of God one day that's amazing. She will inherit the universe. What an incredible privilege to live with a daughter of the king. If that wasn't enough, God makes it very compelling in the very last part of verse 7 why we should give appropriate honor to our wives. It's so that your prayers will not be hindered. What if you prayed and God just crossed his arms and he turned his face away from you? He says, I'm not talking to you. probably wouldn't say it like that. (laughs) But a few verses later, Peter actually, he cites this psalm that, that talks about it. It says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. He's saying, honor your wives so that your prayers not be hindered, which means if you fail to live with your wife in an understanding way, there is going to be an obstruction in your communication with God. So do you want Do you want God's help in life, or do you want God to be against you? Would you like God's help on your projects at work? Would you like God to help you with your income, get that promotion or that raise that you're wanting? Would you like God's help in your health, in your efforts, in your projects? Consider consider the impact just a moment for God withdrawing support from you. That's at stake if we fail to honor our wives appropriately. So, you know, we just so easily get offended and bitter towards our wives. But when we do, it blocks communication with God. It's almost like God might ask me I feel like I've heard, I'm driving, getting on the freeway. Are you sure you want to get on that freeway without a prayer? Mm-hmm. But I get things straightened out with that woman that I gave you. So, let me, let me now that we've, we've walked through these seven verses, I want to show you a humorous video clip of a couple that, that struggles to work out both sides of this marriage dynamic. So check this out. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me, and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me most, is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there, Stop thing, trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You it. always do this. You always try to fix things, when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail. See, I'm not (laughs) even saying that Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. on. No, if you would just- Don't! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have you ever been there? I don't know if you've ever been there. Man, so you can, you can trace this couple through the chart on this paper. You know, they're both feeling pain and tension and frustration and hurt and inconsideration. You know, she feels anxious and hurt, but not by the nail. I think she feels more hurt by him. And then you can sense you know his frustration growing and there's that moment where he just really he actually does i think he puts on you know he submits to living in an understanding where he tries to be understanding and they both try to pull it together it worked it works okay you know sometimes in this video the it's the um the woman is the one that maybe she's like it seems like she's missing information but what if it was a different way where the husband saw a nail, but there actually wasn't one. He saw a problem, but it wasn't the real problem, and she's trying to express, and he's just not listening. He's trying to fix something that's not even there. That, that scenario can happen too, which is why it is so important for men to really live in an understanding way. If you're married, then you know that marriage is a place where you can feel hurt and damaged. You know that marriage is a place where you can feel exasperated and pushed to your limits. And it's because of the sin that we all bring to the table, the pain in marriage can be very intense. And it can feel very unjust. Maybe that's the worst of it, when it just feels so unjust. You're like, this is, I don't even deserve this. This isn't my problem or my fault. I just don't know why this is happening. Which is why that particular feeling of injustice is why it fits so well in this letter. This letter is all about how to endure unjust suffering I remember a particularly difficult time um, when we were having a lot of conflict and it was just a season of just struggling to get on the same page and disagreement and I remember thinking at one point um, man like this is I was like this is this has been the worst year ever like I just want this to be over and I was I was dwelling on that thought for a while and praying for God's help and then I realized The pain that I was feeling in marriage was God's intention for me. It was what he wanted me to walk through. Beginning this this letter, Peter says, you you rejoice in this, these fiery trials. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, though perishable, is refined by fire. May result in praise glory and honor there was a fire that i was walking through that god wanted to refine some things in me and i'm going to tell you i realized now there were some things that needed to be purified in me there were some things that i was contributing that i didn't see in the pain that's what god wants he wants us to be purified and so i realized when i was saying this is the worst year ever and i just want this to be over i actually had to repent of that and say I'm not choosing the faith position, God, that you want me to. I'm getting to self-pity, and Lord, please, can you help us find peace and get through this, but if if you require us to walk through the fire longer, then I will. That's hard to say. That is hard to say, and that requires a faith that goes a little deeper than the surfacey kind of faith. Even though we have greatly marred God's original design for marriage. God, God never intended it. He never designed it this way. We have marred marriage. Even though we've done that, though, he has graciously provided a path toward tremendous peace and repair in marriage. We just have to learn how to do things that are pretty counterintuitive. And, and you're not going to find a lot of support from our culture. If you try to do these things, nobody is going to say that's a good idea, <laughs> They're going to say, no, you stand up for yourself. You don't submit. No, just you do what you want to do. There's so many. There's, there, you, if you want that kind of help, you can find a lot of people to, to, to fan the flames of the negative direction. So let me just summarize this. And I'm going to, these are maybe some next steps that you can take this week. Wives. To summarize it, it's trust the Lord while you follow your husband. So ask yourself some questions. I think these are on your paper. You might even spend some time asking yourself a question like this. Are there, as a wife, are there any specific plans or decisions where I need to yield to my husband? Or how, how have I been making it difficult for my husband to lead me? Or what are, what are some of those specific fears and worries that I just need to entrust to God? Write those down. Or have I been quicker to prod my husband with my words rather than just focusing on the good that I can do? These are really hard questions. Husbands, here's to summarize it for you. Release that bitterness and love your wife unconditionally. Ask yourself these questions. Man, have, have I been carrying around bitterness toward my wife? Your first answer is going to be, no, I haven't. Why don't you ask yourself again? Have I been carrying around bitterness? Have I been withdrawing my warmth? Do I need to confess to her a withdrawal of warmth and affection? Or do I, do I give plenty of time for unrushed conversation so that I can better understand her? Or what, what's a concern of hers that I have been quick to dismiss? Those are really hard questions, too. I'd encourage you to take these questions and pray through them this week. Study these verses in 1 Peter during your personal time with the Lord. The, there's, so there's actually a lot more, by the way, in Scripture dealing with marriage. This is, we, we, we sort of like scratched the surface. So if you're, if you're in a marriage that needs more help or you don't feel like this is adequate, there's probably more you need to understand about how God has designed things. But this is a really, really good starting place. This is the, the thing. You can actually start moving towards reconciliation and repair if you start here. And maybe the thought has crossed your mind, man, I sure hope my spouse was listening to this. (laughs) If you thought that, I'd encourage you to take it a step further and then look inside yourself. If you sit through a message like this and only walk away with ideas for your spouse to change, you're going to miss God's invitation for you to grow in greater obedience and find richer blessing in marriage. You don't want to miss it. Sometimes God throws us a life ring. Maybe he just threw you a life ring today but we ignore it, not realizing the part that we play. It truly takes a humble person to look inside themselves and ask God for help. I hope this has been helpful. We're going to continue our journey through 1 Peter. Maybe maybe next week it'll be a little less personal. (laughs) We'll see if that happens. We'll continue our journey through worst-case scenarios, and um, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for gathering us today, this weekend, for Memorial Day and I thank you for um, a chance to look at this very helpful but very difficult passage on how to do marriage according to the the roles that you've set for husband and wives. Culture does not agree with this, and um, there are many who who would oppose what you have said in your word. Lord, would you give us the grace and the faith to walk this out in obedience to you. In Jesus' name, amen.